trust you've obeyed the Lord. And if you've got your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn with me uh, to the book of back to 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter number 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5. And uh, we're going to look there first. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And then I want to look over, uh, after we read our verse here, I want to look over in Acts chapter number 16. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And verse 16 is where we're going to start. And we're going to look over in a little bit in Acts chapter number 16. And so hold your place in Acts. And look with us first in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I remind you, uh, we've been looking in the book in chapter 5 now for the last couple of weeks. And uh, we looked at the first part of the chapter uh, talking about of the, day, of the Lord's day and how the Lord is going to have His day. And I thank God this morning that there is coming a day when the Lord is going to settle the score. Amen? And let me remind you this morning, judgment, it may seem like that, it's, that, that, that it never comes, but let me remind you, judgment may run slowly, but judgment does run surely. Amen? And it is coming. And I'll say this, it's coming when we least expect it. And, uh, and so we finally talked about uh, there about the rapture and about the tribulation period. And thankful that uh, us that are saved are going to be raptured out of here. We're not going to spend one minute uh, during that period of time. And I bless his name for that this morning. And last week, we talked about how that uh, it's all in the family and how uh, that there are uh, different types of people within each and every church. And just like in the family, how we have those that are encouragements. In the family, we also have those, unfortunately, that are discouragements in the family. And just how it is in your physical family, you'll find out that it's the same way in your spiritual family. Amen. There are those that are are those that uh, are help. They'll help you, but then there are those that are hindrances. And so we looked at that last week, and now we're going to look in verse number sixteen, and and uh, the verse we're going to read this morning is the second smallest verse in your Bible. Uh, it's, uh, we know, I believe John chapter 11, verse 35, is the smallest verse in the English language where it says Jesus wept. If you're looking in 2021 to learn some Bible, I recommend starting uh, uh, John 11, 35, Jesus wept. Then go over here to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, and you would have learned more Bible this year than you've ever learned in your whole life. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Amen. We're going to look at the second smallest verse but let me just say this. It's small in quantity, but not in quality. It's small in size, but not in stature. And what we're going to look at this morning is a verse uh, that I believe ought to be found in every child of God's life. Look with me in verse number 16, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Listen to what the Bible says. It says, Rejoice evermore. Y'all see that? Let's all read it together. Verse 16. Ready? Let's go. Rejoice evermore. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, in the precious name of the Lord Jesus, we come before you this morning. Father, thank you for allowing us to be here one more time in your house. Father, thank you, Lord, for what our ears have heard and our hearts have already felt this morning in the service. Father, thank you for those that sung. Lord, I thank you, dear God, Lord, that we got a song that we can sing in such a dark day. And Lord, I thank you for that this morning. Now as we break open uh, the bread of life, I ask you, Lord God, to help me. 
I pray, Father, you touch me. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would give me that which every preacher needs. Uh, Lord, to be an effective use. I need you, Father. I'd rather not stand up here than stand up here without. I'd rather not stand, uh, Lord, but knowing that I have you this morning. I need you this morning. So I pray you help me. I pray you touch me. Help each listener. Father, give them what they stand in need of. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of speech. And Lord, give me the glory for what you do now in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We remind you that the book of 1 Thessalonians is dealing with of the second return of the Lord Jesus. It is dealing with the return of Christ and how that Christ is coming back to this world. And I don't know if you remember, but I'll remind you this morning, when we begin looking at this uh, several, several months back, I made the, the statement about how that the book of 1 Thessalonians is about us looking for the return of the Lord Jesus and how uh, that we're to be looking up because our redemption draweth nigh. And I remind you, we said that we ought to be looking up, but at the same time, we ought to be living out. Amen? Okay. Let me say, if we're looking for the soon return of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then if we're truly looking for that return, we ought to be busy in doing the work that Father, the Father has for us to do this morning. And one of those things, I believe, ought to be found in a child of God's life at every time, but especially at the time, soon of the return of the Lord Jesus, is what verse 16 says. Rejoice evermore. Look the word up, rejoice. It means to experience joy and gladness in a high degree. Look that word up, evermore. It means always, eternally. So, without adding anything to the Scripture this morning, we see that word rejoice, to experience joy, gladness, to a high degree. How often are we to do it? Evermore, always, eternally. So, when I look at this verse... I am to be at a place of joy and gladness at a high degree, not just sometime, but all the time. Not just some places, but everywhere. That we are always to be at a place of rejoicing. Rejoicing means joy. You know, in this life, we hear a lot about in this day about happiness. Happiness this. Happiness that. And I want to say something this morning, this morning that's going to be hard for the flesh, but you need to hear it this morning. Jesus is not so much interested in your happiness as much as He is about your holiness. Amen. I know that's not what the TV preachers are telling you. He's not so much interested in your happiness as much as He is your holiness. Who all agree with me this morning? If we're holy, like Jesus wants us to be holy, who all say amen this morning? You're going to be happy. But you know what the Christian life is not based on? When we look at that word, happiness. If we want to break it down, you know what happiness is based on? It's based on happiness. Right? If everything is happening right in our life, you want to know what we're going to be? We're going to be happy. If there's money in the bank, we're going to be happy. If our job's going well, we're going to be happy. If the family's doing right, we're going to be happy. If everybody's healthy, we're going to be happy. When everything's going our way politically, we're going to be happy. When everything's going our way economy, uh, uh, money-wise, we're going to be happy. You know why? Because happiness is based on happiness. 
But you know what we find? When happenings are not like we want them to be, you know what leaves our life? Happiness. When there's no money, happiness ain't there. Somebody say amen this morning. When things don't go our way politically, happiness isn't there. When things are not going our way in life, happiness is not there because our happenings are not like we want them to be. But you know what I found in the child of God's life? We don't live by happiness. Somebody say amen. But rather we live by joy. And you will know what joy is based on? Well, if happiness is based on happening, well, joy is based on Jesus. Amen? And let me just say, happenings change. They change with the wind. One minute the happenings are up, the next minute the happenings will be down. And you know what? Your happiness is up and your happiness is down. But thank God this morning to the child of God that has the joy which passes all understanding. Our joy comes from Jesus Christ. That's the reason why, whether if we're up or if we're down, whether if we're in or if we're out, whether if our political party's in or if they're not, whether things are going our way financially or not, whether if we're healthy or not, we can still have joy because we have Jesus. And we look at this verse, rejoice evermore. We do three things by way of introduction. I notice in this small verse, I notice the command. Verse 16 is a commandment. It's not a suggestion. It's not if you feel like it. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, says rejoice evermore. That's a commandment. That's a commandment this morning. It's not up for if you feel like it or not. But Paul says through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost that we are to rejoice evermore. We're to always be at a place of joy. We're to always be at a place of gladness. And I say to you this morning, if that is a commandment, and the Bible says to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So you know what? If you're not rejoicing evermore, who all agree with me, you're disobeying God. And you will know what disobedience is? It's a sin. So if, you're, if we're not rejoicing evermore, then friend, we've got sin. We all know we've got sin. But if we're not doing what verse 16 tells us to do, then we're sinning. And so we see there's a commandment. But then I notice this. In this verse, there's a choice. Do you realize this morning that this rejoice evermore is a choice that you have to make? Rejoicing is a choice that you have to make. It's an individual choice. Let me say to the husband, it's not your wife's place to rejoice for you. To the wife, it's not your husband's place to rejoice for you. To the children, it's not the parents' place to rejoice for you. To the parents, it's not the kids' place to rejoice for you. But to every individual child of God, to every individual, it ought to be in our life that we make that personal choice that regardless of where everybody else does, we're going to rejoice evermore. Do you realize this morning if you don't do that, it's not because of what somebody else has done. You say, well, I'll rejoice if they'll rejoice. Oh, no, you won't. Amen. But we say this, a rejoicing is what each and every one of us ought to do, regardless if nobody else does it. It ought to come from a true child of God's heart. We ought to be rejoicing everybody. So this morning, if you leave here and you didn't rejoice, it's not anybody else's fault. It's not because they didn't sing your favorite song. It's not because you didn't read your favorite text. It's not because things didn't go the way you wanted to. It's because you chose not to. 
You know the reason why rejoice is not going on in every church? You ready for it? This is deep. People don't want to. Amen. You know the reason why we don't get more out of our services than what we do? People don't want more. They're so satisfied with the world. They've been feasting on the things, the carnal things of the world. And they come into the house of God. And spiritual things have no value in their life. Let me say to the child of God this morning, we ought to have to sit on our hands to keep from raising them this morning for how good God's been in our lives. I don't know if y'all know this or not, but I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It's not a secret, but it may be a secret to you. God's been good to you. God's blessed you. God has been mighty good to each and every one of us. And you know what ought to be? There ought to be a choice. We ought not do it because we have to. We ought not have that attitude. But to every child of God, there ought to be a spring in their step. There ought to be rejoicing from their lips and from their heart because they want to. Every church, song leader, preacher has to be like a. I feel like, I feel like sometimes I need to get some pom poms. And get up here and say, Give me an A. Give me a B. But you know what the Bible said? David said, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And you know what that entering in means? That means before you ever walk through those back doors, you ought to already be in a state of thanksgiving. When you get out of that car, you ought to already be in a state of thanksgiving. And if you don't get spiritually ready before you get to church, I'll tell you what will happen from your heart. It'll be a state of rejoicing evermore. That's a choice. It's a commandment. There's the choice. But then I notice the continuation. Evermore. That means... Forever and ever and ever and ever. Can I say to you this morning? Hi, if we're going to, let's say it like this, if we're going to rejoice evermore, and that means forever, can I go ahead and let you know this? That means we're going to be rejoicing in heaven. And if we're going to be doing it forever in heaven, I think it'd be okay for us to do it down here. So, this evermore, don't let that word just pass you by. But that word evermore means wherever you're at, you ought to be rejoicing. Regardless if things are going your way or not, you ought to be rejoicing. Whether you feel like it or not, you ought to be rejoicing. You know, some people will rejoice only when they feel good. You say, preacher, I just don't feel like it. When did this, when did this thing ever become about our feelings? Let me ask you this. Are you faithful to your spouse only when you want to? If you, if you, if you answer that question, no, then you, you got some problems. Amen. Well, I'll agree with me. Sometimes we have to come to church even when we don't want to. But you know what I have found about my flesh? There's been times when I didn't want to. And there's been times I didn't feel like it. And things wouldn't go my way. But I didn't praise Him out of feelings. I praised Him out of faith. I didn't praise Him for every, because everything was going right in my life. I was praising Him because He was right with what was in my life. And can I say to you, when I begin to praise the Lord, you know what I found out? It wouldn't be too long after doing that. I would begin to feel like it. Amen. 
I'll begin, listen, all of a sudden, well, sometimes it takes your feelings a little while to catch up with your spirit. Amen? That's the reason why when you get to heaven, you're going to have to have a glorified body because this flesh don't want to do what the spirit does. But oh, friend, in those days when you don't feel like it, in those days when things ain't going your way, you ought to just rejoice evermore because it's the right thing to do. We're to rejoice in the Lord. I was praying this week and asking the Lord to help me truly understand what this verse meant. And my Lord, I told y'all to hold your finger in Acts 16. Go over with me. I want to show you this. When I was looking at this, the Lord led me to Acts 16. Now, if you go home and read it when you got time, you know in Acts chapter 16, Paul, in verse, the verses we're going to read, they're in Philippi. And we know what happens in this text. If you've been in church any amount of time at all, you've heard somebody preach from Acts 16 about when Paul and Silas were in prison. I know since I've been here, it's been preached on twice. Not even by me. One was by Brother Kim Bowman, and the other was by your daddy. Preached from Acts 16. So I know it's been preached on two times in just a short time I've been here. So everybody sometime or another has heard Acts 16 about Paul and Silas being in prison. But you'll know 1 Thessalonians, the church at Thessalonica. When you go home, look at Acts 17. When you look at Acts 17, what you'll find? Paul goes to Thessalonica for the first time. So before Paul ever wrote 1 Thessalonians, Acts chapter number 16 had already happened in his life. So... What we're about to read, what we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16, is not from the lips and the pen of somebody who's never gone through anything. When Paul says to rejoice evermore, he's not saying that out of a... You know, you know how it is with somebody that doesn't know... Let me say this. I could tell you how to raise kids before I had kids. You know, I wish I had written a book on how to pastor before I started pastoring. I tell you this, I wish I had written a book on how to pastor during a pandemic before I pastored during a pandemic. I could have told you how to do it before I did it. Amen. We all, let's say those things, we all know how to be an armchair quarterback. I laugh at people, I'm the same way. I'll get to screaming at them on the, on the TV. I mean, come on, I mean, get a hit, knock that game when it run in. I mean, hit a home run. How in the world could you take that third strike? You know what? If I was so good, why wouldn't I out there? Yeah. Everybody knows how to tell the coach how to coach. If you're so good at it, why aren't you the one coaching? Everybody knows how to do it. But if they did, why aren't they doing it? But what we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 is not coming from the pen of somebody who's never been through anything. But rather, we're reading something from somebody who knows what it's like to go through stuff. Look with me in Acts 16 and verse number 22. It says this in verse 22. It says, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates went off their clothes, and commanded to beat them. This is Paul and Silas now. And when they laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailers to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Listen to verse 25 now. 
Here's where we see 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16 illustrating. It says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang, here it is, praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prisoner's door open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. And then he called for a light, sprang in and came, in tre- came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. Verse 32, They spake unto him the word of the Lord, and all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized. And he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into the house, he set meat before them. Oh, listen to this. And rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the surgeon, saying, let these men go. Did y'all see that? I emphasize it in my reading. Twice we find the word Rejoice. Or we find him, they sung uh, praises in verse number 25. And then in verse number 34, rejoice to believe in God. See, when I looked at this word for this verse, rejoice evermore. I find that truth illustrated in the verses we've read before you this morning. See, in these verses, I find some truths are some things that will come from my life when I rejoice evermore. Are you interested in what will come from your life if you rejoice evermore? Let me just say this. We ought to be rejoicing evermore not because of what we get out of it, but because it's what God's commanded us to do. If you're not careful this morning, you'll do what you do so you can get what you can get out of it. We ought not be that way this morning. We ought to do what we do out of a heart of love, not out of a heart of receiving. But in this verse, I do see some things that come from their life when they rejoice evermore. First thing I notice, get this quick and I'll be done. I notice, first of all, their faith was shown. When they rejoiced evermore, when Paul and Silas prayed and sung praises unto God, you know what that means when we come from that? Their faith was shown. So how do you see that? Look what the Bible says in verse number 25. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, sang praises unto God. Listen to these next five words. And the prisoners heard them. And the prisoners heard them. Now, if you go read this, you know what you'll find out? They were thrown into the inner prison. They were locked up in the middle of the prison. I mean, this is where they put the vilest and the worst criminals at. But you know what that lets me know when they heard, the prisoners heard? You know what that lets me know? Well, when they were praying, they wasn't they leading in silent prayer. 
These boys were getting hold of God. And when they were singing, they weren't singing quietly. You know they, you know they couldn't have been Baptists, right? But they was praying. They was a singing. They was a praising. And they were rejoicing in such a way that the other prisoners around was hearing what was coming from their lips and from their hearts. I wonder this morning, has the people around you ever heard you rejoice? Has the people around you ever heard you praise God? Has the people around you, when the matter, no matter what you were going through, they heard a praise come from your lips? They heard rejoicing come from your heart? Let me just say this. Their faith wasn't shown in the good time. Their faith was shown in the bad time. See, I look at this. Their faith was shown despite the people. Verse 22 through 24, listen to what the people did to them. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Now see that? The people rose up against them. Go read it when you get home. You know what you find out? Paul and Silas didn't break the law. Paul and Silas didn't do nothing wrong. They led a young lady to the Lord. You know what happened? That crowd got upset. Upset. She was a go straight up. She was one that they made money off of her. You know what they were? They were mad because they were going to lose their money train. You know what happened? They were upset because now they were going to have to go get a real job. You know what they said? We don't like this. We don't like them preaching in the name of Jesus. We don't like them messing with our money. We don't like them doing all this. And you know what they did? They rose up against them. Magistrate ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. Look at verse 24. Who haven't received our verse 23? And when they had laid many stripes. Upon them. You know what they did? They whipped them. They whipped them. Then it says they cast them into the, into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safe. Listen to verse 24. Who, having received such charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. You know what? If I read that in, in verses. And verse number 26 was not, or verse number 25 was not in my Bible. I wouldn't blame them. But you know what I find? They were beaten. They were mocked. They were stripped naked. They were whipped with a cat of nine tails. They were thrown into prison. Then they were thrown into the inner prison. And let me just say this. Them prisons back in those days were not like the prisons in our day. You look at the prisons compared to those back then. Ours look like a five-star resort. Amen? I mean, listen, they were in those rooms where, where there, no doubt there was rodents running around. No doubt they were having to uh, be around all kind of mess, all kind of nastiness. No doubt their prison cells were cold. No doubt they were damp. No doubt they were dark. No doubt they were where nobody wanted to be at. The Bible said their feet was, was, was in the stocks. If I can picture this morning, I mean, they're, they're having to sit and their feet are in the stocks. Y'all all see them when they have somebody that when they put their head and their arms through that stock and, they, and they're sitting there like this. Imagine that with their feet. They can't even stand up. They're having to 
be in a constant state of sitting. Imagine how their legs must have felt. Imagine how their back must have felt being whipped with a cat and test. If it was dark and cold, imagine how it must have been without having any clothes on. Building rodents running over their legs. The smell of the nastiness all around them. Can I say in verse 25, what in my Bible, I would have a heart. Listen, I, I wouldn't blame them. But you know what I find? In the midst of all the people, what they did to, did to them, you know what I find Paul and Silas doing? I find them rejoicing evermore. They rejoice despite the people. Can I say their faith was shown despite the pain? I guarantee you they didn't feel like it. I guarantee you their back was hurting. I guarantee you their legs were sore. I guarantee you everything wasn't going their way. But oh, you know what they did? In spite of the pain, in spite of the people, they begin to sing, they begin to rejoice, they begin to praise God even when they didn't feel like it. And I say to you this morning, we ought to say amen or oh me. Because here we are this morning, we're clothed, we're sitting on comfortable cues. Every one of us probably chose which vehicle we were going to drive to church this morning. We woke up with a roof over our head. We got to choose what we were going to eat for breakfast. Amen. We had gas in the tank. We had a place to be able to come to worship the Lord. We got Jesus living in our heart. And you know what we don't see ourselves doing? We don't see ourselves rejoicing. But oh, I'm glad Paul and Silas wasn't like that. Because friend, in the midst of all that was going wrong in their life, you know what they did? They rejoiced evermore. They rejoice despite the people. They rejoice despite the pain. They rejoice despite the prison. You realize they couldn't go where they wanted to go. They were not at liberty. They couldn't walk in and out of the prison. They were locked up. They were locked up and locked down. But still they rejoiced. How about this? The period of time. The Bible says, and at midnight. I see that? They didn't rejoice with the sun up. They rejoiced when the sun was down. Can I say to you, they rejoiced when it looked like it was at its darkest. Can I just say it like this this morning? We're living in some dark days. Can I say we're living in the midnight hour? But ain't you glad that verse is in your Bible to let you know no matter where you might be at, no matter what you might be going through, though things not be going your way, Though the outward man perish, and thank God the inward man's being renewed, weeping may endure for the night, but thank God joy. I said joy cometh in the morning. We might be living in the midnight hour, but I'm glad even though it's dark, even though it's down, and even though things are not going our way, you know what we can still do? We can still throw our hands up to heaven and say the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Job worshipped when everything was falling apart. Job did it. I know it ain't easy. You say, Brother Paul, it ain't going my way. But you know what we need to do? We still need to rejoice evermore. Why? You ready for this? Because the prisoners need to hear us. There's a lost and dying world that needs to hear us not only rejoice when everything's going our way, but rejoice when everything ain't going our way. They need to rejoice. They need to hear us rejoice and brag on the goodness of God when we got money in the bank. But they need to hear us rejoice when we don't got any money in the bank. They need to hear us rejoice when everything's going our way. But oh, neighbor, they need to hear us rejoice when things 
ways. You know why? Because listen, when they hear you rejoice when everything's going your way, they, they say it like this. This is, how I, this is how it was in my life. Well, sure, everybody can rejoice when everything's going good. But when they see you walk into the funeral home and your worlds are falling apart and you're burying that loved one and you pray so hard for God to heal and they see you walk up to that casket and they're looking for cursing coming from your lips. They're looking for you to throw your hands up to God, God and say, why God? Why did you let this happen? You know why? Because everybody physically speaking can understand that. But when they see you walk up to that coffin and you look up and you say, Lord, you say your word. We don't weep as those that have no hope. But we have hope that they're saved. We're going to see them again. And you know what the lost people look at that and say? How are they able to do that? How are they able to rejoice when everything's falling apart? How are they able to rejoice? They just heard they lost their job. How are they able to rejoice? They just found out they had cancer. How are they able to rejoice when everything's gone wrong? You know why? Because we're not living by happiness. We're living by Jesus. And in the midst of it all, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We can rejoice and our faith can be shown. You know, we're nearing the return of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to park right here and say this. It ought to bother you how that you don't have a burden for your lost family. When's the last time you piled up on an altar with a broken heart and said, God, don't let my family die and go to hell? I can look around this congregation this morning. Every one of us has got family members that if the day was to be their last day, they bust hell wide open. And you know what we do? We sleep peacefully at night. We go to bed with ease. We eat peacefully. It don't bother us. But all day we're to break our heart knowing that we're going to spend eternity while in heaven shouting down the street of gold while they're burning in the lake of fire. Yeah. Right. Now I tell you, when you get a burden from all some ones, you'll watch the way you act around them. I guarantee you, when you get a burden for lost loved ones, you won't be so quick to run the church down. When you get a burden for lost loved ones, you won't be so quick to run the preacher down. Amen goes right there. When you get a burden for those lost kids, you won't be so quick when you're at the dinner table to run down everybody in the church. Say, preacher, you don't know how they did me. Can I say to you this morning, we just need to grow up. Every one of us have been wounded sometime or another. Amen. Every one of us has probably sometime or another gone through some type, some type of church hurt. And I know it's hard to swallow, but we just need to grow up and start acting like Christians because thank God Jesus Christ, thank God still went up Calvary's Hill, even though he didn't feel like it, even though no doubt his flesh was torn, no doubt he's been against the flesh, but he still went up Calvary's Hill and died for my sin. If there was anybody that had any room to complain, it was these two right here. But you know what they did? They started singing. They started praising God. They started praying. You know what I love about this? Hope y'all aren't going to be preaching this morning. I got preaching me. Amen? You know where they were headed to when they ran into that damsel? To the house of prayer. But they didn't get to make it there. So you want to know what they found out? Or what they knew that we didn't find out? You don't have to be at church alone to pray. 
Ain't that good to know that no matter if you're in the jail, you can still pray. No matter if you're in the hospital room, you can still pray. No matter if you're at the funeral home, you can still cry out to God. You may not be able to get to the physical church, but thank God you can get down on your knees no matter where you're at, and you can cry out to the Holy God. And ain't you quiet no matter if it's at the midnight, no matter if you're in the prison, no matter if you're hurting physically, you can still, you can still cry out to God. Their faith was shown. Let me ask you this one. Has your faith been shown? Has it? Paul's house was. Taking all the faith shown. Their freedom was supplied. You know what happened? When they begin to sing praises unto God, you know how it is when y'all hear somebody sing, and all of a sudden you look down there, and your foot starts tapping. You know what I'm talking about? I always live by this, I'll first touch your heart before it touches your foot. But it's alright for it to touch your foot. Somebody say amen. Do not believe happened. Paul, I'm going to start singing. They started singing praises unto God. They started offering up prayers to the Lord. And those prisoners were listening. And you know what I think happened? I think God, up in the glory world, you know He had an ear to Him. But they always heard my cry. He said, boy, I enjoy that singing. The praises of my children. You know what I believe the Lord Jesus did? I believe He tapped His foot. And the whole world should. Right. Amen. I believe he's done so much. He's messed my children down there. They're not rejoicing for them. They're not rejoicing because everything is going their way. But they're rejoicing because everything ain't going their way. They're not rejoicing because of what they have. But they're rejoicing because of who they have believed in. Remember, remember what Satan told God about Job? He said, take what he has away from him. He'll curse you to his face. Amen. Then he goes back to him and says, let me, let me, let me, let me uh, uh, mess with his flesh. He'll curse you to your face. But you know what we find no Job doing? We find no Job still praising God. He's burying children, but he's still praising God. He's lost all his money, but he's still praising God. He's having listen. His wife's saying, curse God and die. But he's still praising God. And I imagine old devil saying, I've been through my best day. I've done everything. How is it that he's able to rejoice? You get over there in Job 44, you know what you find? The Bible said this about Job. He said, thank God, I know my Redeemer lives. I guess you're real good. It did me work real good one day when I realized Job is the oldest book in your Bible. Right. You'll know this. He knew his Redeemer lived way before there ever was a resurrection. Yeah, right. wow. You know why? Because his faith was being shown. Thank God his freedom was supplied. Amen. They were free from detainment. Chains fell off. Doors swung open. They were at liberty. You know what, man? You ought to rejoice. You ready for this? When we walk out in this lost and dying world, there are demons being poured out upon this generation that no other generation's ever experienced before in their life. There's so much, listen, there's wickedness out there that they used to have to go drive miles away to be able to find. Now it's right at people's fingertips. You know what they did? They rejoiced. You know what they were able to do with their rejoicing? They were able to shake off what had them down. You know the reason why sometimes you ought to just shout to be able to shake off them demons that's attached themselves to you all week in this lost and dying world? Amen. When you get out there in the world and then listen, you get around all that wickedness.
wickedness, all that ungodliness, all that pervertedness. You ought to come to the house of God and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to rejoice and shake off the things that have tried to bind me all week long. You know what you, you, know what you ought to do? You ought to just go ahead and just embarrass your flesh one good old time. Amen. When's the last time you embarrassed your flesh? Amen. Say, preacher, I, I'm just too dignified to do that. <laughs> you wouldn't expect somebody dignified like myself to do that. No, I wouldn't expect somebody dignified to do that. But I wouldn't expect a child of God that's been redeemed, that's been washed in the blood, that the only fire they'll ever feel is the one that's burning in their soul. They can go to hell if they wanted to. They're going to walk down the street of gold one day where there's not going to be no more sin. There's not going to be no more suffering. There's not going to be no more separation. There's not going to be no more virus. Somebody say amen. There's not going to have to be no more going to the funeral home. I do expect people that have that in their life. Be able to rejoice. They rejoiced by the time. They listened. They rejoiced in the midst of darkness. They rejoiced. You know what they were able to do? Shake off death. I don't know what was going to happen to these boys. I guarantee you there was a crowd out there that loved to put them to death. You know the reason why you need to rejoice evermore? Not because of dying physically, but dying spiritually. Some of you used to rejoice. Some of you used to testify. Ask you, when's the last time you testified? When's the last time you bragged on the goodness of God? I know it's going to get quiet. It's true, amen. When's the last, let me say this. When's the last time you bragged about your salvation? Everybody in this church ought to be able to quote your salvation experience by heart because they hear it so much. You mean the best day that's ever happened to you and you don't ever want to talk about it? Amen? You mean the best day of your life and you don't ever want to tell anybody about it? Amen on me this morning. That's right. If you come, listen, if you went out hunting and you shot the biggest buck, you'd be showing every man in this building. You'd be showing every... Show me this deal. If little Junior got a trophy, the MVP, you'd be telling everybody about what little Junior did. You know why? Because that don't embarrass our flesh. But when we stand there and say, Preacher, I just want the world to know I could have woke up this morning with a beer bottle in my hand. But I woke up grabbing my Bible on the way to church. Amen. I could have woke up with a needle in my arm. But I woke up with a spring in my step. I could have woke up. Listen, I know it. What I did the night before. But I'm waking up this morning. Making my way to the house of God. I'll say this morning. That's the reason why we ought to rejoice. Because. Because. It helps our spiritual life. You say this. Faith was shown. Freedom was supplied. Done right here. You need to rejoice every more because there's a family that got saved. You know what's amazing about this text? When the ground shook, the earthquake happened. Let me just say this real quick. I'm not real smart. I did listen a little bit to science. But they tell me in order for there to be an earthquake, there has to be a fault line. Any scientists can build Nike here, help me out. Has to be a fault line. They say. They can trace those fault lines back as far as they can. They said they believe I've always been here. 
Don't hit me. Have you have something? There's earthquake in this case, right? Or if there would be an earthquake, there would be a I believe when God was hanging those stars in their place, when He was putting the sun to shine, and He created this earth, I believe He said, I need to put a fault mine right there. Why? Because one day there's going to be two preachers. He's going to be locked up in prison. You say, yeah, I don't believe that. God's a sovereign God. Honey. He knows the beginning from the end. You know what he did? I believe he put that fault line there because he had already made a way for their escape way before they ever got in it. If it ever dawns on you that what you're going through, God's already got grace laid out in front of you. God's already got hands of provision laid out in front of you. That's the reason why you can rejoice way before God ever does it. You know why? Because you know that if He brings you to it, He'll bring you through it. You can rejoice before it ever even happens. There's a family that was saved. And all of a sudden, the door swung open. Now, Philip and Jailer woke up. Earthquake woke him up. You know what we need to have? We need to have a good old spiritual earthquake to wake up a lot of sleeping people. He woke up, he saw the doors open. Back in those days, if a prisoner escaped under a guard's watch, that guard was responsible for it. And he was to die in the, or uh, face the consequences, the punishment of whatever the person escaped was going to face. So if he was the person that escaped, if he was going to be whipped with a cat of nine tails, this prison guard was going to be whipped with a cat of nine tails. If they were going to have to be stoned, the prison guard was going to be stoned because he let him escape under his watch. So you know what he did? Apparently, there must have been some he thought escaped because he pulled out his sword. He's going to take his own life. Paul said this, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. I read that the other day. had myself a good shout spell. You know why? Because they were all there before the battle, before the heartache, before the storm. You know what Paul and Silas said? We're still here. You know what I want my testimony to be? I was here before the coronavirus, and I was here after the coronavirus. I was here before, listen, when everything was going good, but I'm still here when everything's going bad. I want to be here when it's going good, when it goes bad, and get to rejoice when I see it go back good again. We're all here. He pulled out that soul and going to take his own life. You know what he was? He was suicidal. I want to say this, because I know this makes a lot of people uncomfortable. The Holy Ghost told me to say this. You'd be surprised in this church building alone, the thoughts that's going through people's minds about taking their own life. You know the reason why this man was willing to commit suicide? Because he didn't think anything was good for him. It's amazing Paul Silas never said thought about committing suicide. This man didn't have no hope. This man didn't have any rejoicing. And he pulled out a sword to take his own life. We'd be surprised in this building alone this morning. Thoughts are going through people's minds about doing things that they don't want to tell anybody else about. Sound like you're talking about that. Somebody needs to. He was going to take his own life. You know what Paul said? Do thyself no harm. For we were all here. You know what he did? He grabbed the light and he sprung in. 
You know what I believe? I believe before he ever grabbed the light, the gospel light had already done been shown to us. He grabbed that light and he ran into that room. He fell down trembling. You know what I believe is? what y'all got? I mean, you mean, you know God did this? I want my God to do this. God, he said, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? I wonder this morning, somebody that wanted to be saved would call your number, go to your address, because they said, my goodness, anybody saved is them. They might go through their phone and say, ooh, I ain't calling them. I know what they got. They don't even know what they got. Who ain't called them? They are my preacher. Who ain't called them? They're their church lady stays in the mail more does at the church. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, man. My goodness, I mean, good gracious, he don't even know. They get on there and old Paul and say, Oh, what y'all got? You know what happened? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. You don't know what I believe. I know this message with a lot of people's theology. We make salvation out to be a whole lot more difficult than what God intended for it to be. Hardest thing, listen, the hardest thing is to listen is for you to realize you're lost. And that's all listen, that's what God has to do. If you're lost this morning, listen to me. If you're lost this morning, you know what? I, I've been guilty of this. And hear me, hear me out. Don't 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 throw rocks at me. Hear me. We explain conviction to a lost person like we expect a lost person to know what conviction is. Conviction is a God business. We're waiting, listen, some people are waiting for God to tie a lasso around their throat, pulling it down the altar because they're just so, so heavy with conviction. You know what I found out? Some people go through a week long of conviction, and some people respond the very first time God deals with them. Everybody's salvation experience is different. It took me several days before I got down on my knees and cried out to the Lord Jesus got saved. But you know what it was? My wife? The Lord dealt with her heart that morning, she responded. You're lost this morning, and you know you're lost. I've run to Jesus. What must I do to be saved, preacher? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And now shall be saved. Listen, this family was saved from suicide. But you know what else I find out? This family was saved from separation. You know what we find out later on in this text? I'm almost done. Y'all stay with me. You know what I found in this text? Imagine, we find out this family had a family. How do you think they would have failed, Brother Rudy, when they got the message that daddy took his life? How do you think they would have felt when they realized Daddy ain't coming home? Brother Josh, how do you think that wife would have felt when she got the news that he had died on the job and took his own life? Separation. And you can listen to this man had to die. He not only would have died physically, listen, he had died and went to hell for eternity. But he got saved. Because there's two preachers that rejoiced every morning. And you want to know what? Find out in this text. He enjoyed these preachers so much, you know who he did? He took home with him. He's like, I, I got to take y'all home because I, 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 I got to listen. I tell my wife and what happened to me. I, I want y'all to come home. Want, it's so good for me. It's so good for me. I want them to experience it. You ever took Jesus with you to the job? You ever took Jesus with you to the doctor's office? You ever say, hey, 
No, I know last time I didn't see you. I mean, not everything was going wrong in my life. Everything's still going wrong. I still got this sickness. Let me just tell you about how good God is. You know what you did? You took Jesus with you to the doctor. When you go down to the schoolhouse and you walk down the hallway and they ask, How was your weekend? Let me tell you about what God did for me this weekend. He showed up at church and he, and he blessed my heart and he, and he helped me. But they, they show you who your real friends are, amen? They're they going to be like, Give me some of that or I'm going to see you later out of here. Took it home to a family. You know what he found out? Family got in on it. And his whole family got saved. You know what else we find out he did? He cooked him a meal. Hallelujah. I feel God on that. Amen. Look at how he cooked him a meal. I believe believe he called, if he lit our day, he called him off. He said, Get that good china out. I'm breaking the preachers on this. What? Preachers, you think even what you've been cussing out about all week? Oh, yeah. I'm bringing them home with me. Amen. Oh, my goodness. Y'all get the house clean. Daddy's bringing the preachers to the house. Something ain't going right. My goodness. I mean, he just told me last night about how he beat them, how he ridiculed them. Now, he's bringing them to the house. He walks in. This is how my mind, maybe he was a cousin. Beat him. Now, hold. He walks into the house. Little old junior. Don't want to come up to him because he's afraid that he might yell and scream at him because he's had a bad night at work. Guard walks in. The junior, come here. Let me tell you about what happened to Daddy last night. Daddy got saved. And I'm going to let you know because of Jesus, he's got a brand new daddy. Remember that old song, Thanks to Calvary? Come on, the man I used to be. Walks up to his wife and says, I've been a bad husband. I've not treated you right. I've not been the husband that you deserve. But Jesus changed my life last night. By the grace of God, I'm a brand new man. You know what I believe? That's what wife said. If it worked for you, it worked for me. Let me get in on it. And the kids said, Mom and Daddy, if it worked for you, I want to get in on it. And they got saved. You know what that, You know what he did? I kind of maybe think maybe he might have been one of the prison guards that whipped him. He might have been one of the prison guards who gave him them stripes on the back. But now he's taking rag. And he's washing the wounds. Somebody that he's hurt deeply. And he says, it's because of me you got these wounds. But it's because of you I got Jesus. You know what salvation will do to you? It'll make you help those that you used to win. These two rejoiced evermore, and you know what it led to? It led to a whole house getting saved. Well, tell me our rejoicing don't matter. You ought to rejoice, number one, because God commanded it. You ought to rejoice because it helps you. You ought to rejoice because the lost entire world that needs to see it and needs to hear it. We've heard the only bring it. 